and welcome to Rapid Reviews episode 121. I hope I got that right. Pete, did I get that right? Yes. Yay, Pete is saying yes. <laughs> we have an actual wonderful jam-packed show for you today. Um, if you are available, go catch the VOD over on twitch.tv forward slash rapid reviews. Um, but if not, sit back, enjoy your coffee, and start your week with a very, very cool behind-the-scenes look at game development. Um, we have actually three guests in the proverbial studio with us today. <laughs> um, starting on my left, is it my left? Yes, my left, um, <laughs> is Louie. Hello, Louie. Hi. Um, would you let us know a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, I guess the, the, the short version is uh, I'm a game developer. It's been in AAA and all kinds of productions for 20 plus years. Um, at some point, uh, I decided to uh, go indie and uh, start my own company and uh, maybe bring some sanity back to game development in some, in some small way. That's why the, the company's name is Recombobulator Games. It's like to discombobulate is to lose your, you know, your, your mind a little bit. Recombobulate is to get it back together. Um, like yeah, so I started this game, at which um, I started working on this game, and um, I, I realized that um, like Michelle and I couldn't do it alone, and uh, the, the the biggest biggest problem um, that I, I felt or the biggest gap in our uh, skills was uh, marketing, and um, so uh, and and also we needed a voice uh, actress to do the main character, so we met. Uh, Lauren, um, and uh, she's our uh, our marketing director and our and our voice for uh, for the game that we're working on. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's it in a nutshell. That's that. You know, I, I didn't know that you were also the voice actress. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I am. I'm both. <laughs> Excellent. So yes, uh, let me introduce uh, Lauren then. If you want yeah. to give us a little background. Cool. I am the marketing director for Space Vote. Um, before then, I was Big Sur Games, which is another indie company. And I love video games. Also a voice actor, content creator since I was 14. And here I am now. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, okay. And then that leads us to our last but not least at all. <laughs> Michelle. That's okay. I'm used to being a piece of trash. <laughs> uh, my name is Michelle Franklin. I'm an author. Uh, I'm uh, a sometimes now media person, which is very strange to me. Uh, and uh, I have written many, many books on fantasy, nonfiction books, and I'm the narrative designer for Spaceboat. I love that narrative designer. Oh, gives me chills. Uh <laughs> So it, should, you... it, should, it shouldn't give you chills. It should just make you cry. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely adore it. It's wonderful. Um, so by that, listeners, you've probably gathered that we are definitely talking about indie development. Um, we know you want it, so we are bringing it to you. Um, live if you join us over on Twitch. I don't know how much more I can plug that. <laughs> Twitch.tv. <laughs> exactly. But... Um, so what I'm going to do, dear lovely listeners and viewers, is turn it over to our wonderful co-host, Pete, who I forgot to introduce, Pete! Oh my gosh, Pete. Hello. 
uh, and let me just correct you on this one. You said Rapid Reviews Podcast, not Rapid Reviews Radio Podcast. Yes, thank you it's... for correcting me as usual. Pete is my uh, production manager and he keeps everything running. I forgot to introduce uh, myself uh... as well. <laughs> Welcome to the S Show, everyone. <laughs> probably our most organic show we've ever done here we are episode 121 uh i'll just go with oh jonathan thank you for subscribing oh my gosh one year anniversary already oh blimey anyway so we just have our resubscription from one of our viewers um anyway so i'm your co-host kai well and i'm joined by my ever-present co-host pete beckett (laughs) now you sound now you sound correctly correctly tuned for that for that yes. job position yes, yes. Uh, the withering aspect the wearied yeah. the wearied sanity like like with <laughs> indie game development indie podcast development is also the same where we have multiple job titles oh, oh yes yeah. you have to wear many different hats absolutely yeah, so i am i am booking editing uh present, just... some presenting kylie's the talent that's what i call to the talent so <laughs> Yeah, Pete says, I'm the talent. I'm the one that throws the temper tantrum in the trailer. <laughs> and is always late uh, for filming. I, I am. I'm literally always late. But, except the, for today. The, the request for blue M&Ms every time does get annoying. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, Pete, I am going to hand this over to you now so you sure. can uh, delve a little bit into our guests and why they're here and their oh. wonderful stories. Okay, so... As was stated on a previous episode where we covered the news, we spoke very, very briefly about the situation that was happening over at Square Enix with Yuji Naka and the unfortunate release of Balan Wonderworld. Who are you talking uh, about? Game of the Year. Uh, game of the Year? Balan Wonderworld? <laughs> game of the Year, the best. Balan oh Wonderland? What are you saying? Oh, uh, what? Balan Wonderland? Or well, however, whatever the Balan Wonderworld. Context. Yeah, whatever the other content creators want to call it as a joke. Um, Yeah, where the game was obviously very heavily criticised and around six months after, um, around six months before the release of the game, it is stated that Yuji Naka was removed as a game director by Square Enix, uh, which was revealed during a recent uh, court case between the two. Uh, No idea who was successful in that one, but there was some discussions that were had about that so that led us down down the route of wanting to actually talk to people who not only were in game development but had worked in triple a game development so well in japan de- defamation because that the, there was a defamation suit if i if i'm right oh, okay. in That's in right. japan defamation works a little bit differently because you can sue for defamation even if something is true so whereas i think i'm not sure how it works in the states but here in canada um, you can sue for defamation, but it's very difficult to win because if it if it is something that's true and you are a public person, um, you, it's hard to win that. You have to go for libel. Libel is if it's a lie. Okay. So in Japan, though, even if it is a true thing that the media is publishing, uh, you can uh, e- even if it's published by a third party or even somebody who knows you, you are allowed to sue for defamation if it has destroyed your job. And in his case, it has. So. Wow, yeah, that's, they, re- that's really interesting, actually. I, yeah. One side of the things that we never would have considered is obviously how uh, the law works in different countries. So thank, yeah. thanks for uh, enlightening us on that. So um, I actually just wanted to touch uh, with all three of our guests, actually, to see uh, if they were willing to disclose any AAA game developers they had worked for. 
Uh, sure, actually. Uh, in in terms of in terms of what what Ujinaka has has gone through, or just in general? Uh, no, in just general. Gen- just generally. Oh, okay. But Luke, yeah. do you want to start? Yeah. Yeah. The as far as Square Enix goes, yeah, I've actually worked for them um, twice. One time, um, uh, both in both cases, it was through IDOS. Oh, uh, okay. yes. No longer okay. the case uh, anymore. So but they, anyways, yeah, they're now was... no longer part of Square Enix, are they? They've kind of gone on to the yeah. Embracer Group. That, that so when I was there, oh, yeah. uh, they, it was definitely Square Enix that uh, that owned IDOS at the time. Right. So yes. I'm, I'm familiar with their with their uh, uh, how they deal with uh, certain things. And I was actually there for the Final Fantasy fiasco, uh, where. Yeah, where, where uh, I don't know if anyone remembers, but it was pretty bad at the beginning. And uh, you have oh, to yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah, the there was a Final lot of, Fantasy XIV uh, is the most anticipated game of all time. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Okay. Yeah. I was on the I beta that. To, to the point where that, that game was a, like, like let's be honest, it was a full disaster. And oh, no, absolutely. No more than this one. Uh, this one's pretty bad, too, because it came out half-baked and uh oh, you talk about balan wonderworld yeah yeah balan yeah but the the thing is though i can't help but feel that there's a a similarity between the two in the sense that it's still square enix and they still you know put something out there that wasn't a hundred percent what it should have been and the uh the, the the game director in this case because you know here in north america we don't really have game director like it's not the same relationship yeah. Uh, but in, in Japan, it's like you have a game director. It's a person who is responsible for the game. Uh, and unfortunately, that also means they, they take all they, they take the brunt of the heat if uh, if things get too hot. Uh, and that's that's sad. Over here. No, people just blame the dev team and that's it. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. And they just let them off. So I do remember hearing that actually when we had the situation with um, Final Fantasy VII Remake, where they were talking about Tessunu Amuro actually being the game director. And then I. Uh, he became the game director i think on remake didn't he and i think it was sakaguchi who felt that he should he should have um probably shouldn't have been the director but then was not the director and there was a lot of weirdness about it if i remember from the uh the actual article that i'd read so yeah they don't they seem to put a lot of emphasis on game directors over in japan more yes. so yeah. the game director is a big role here we have creative directors and art directors mm-hmm. and all that and producers whereas in Japan, a game director is all three of those things. Right. Yeah. Right. But take um, but the the results are always very different. So if you look at, like, just take Andromeda. Like, uh, I was actually part of Andromeda for its uh, pre-production. I, w- I left, like many people at the time, a lot of experienced people. We all said this is going to be a shit show, and we left. And it was very unpopular back then. People looked at me funny. They were like, "The heck's wrong with you? Why are you leaving?" Oh, and, and it's like you got a good position and everything. And I'm like, this is a shit show. Uh, and um, I've been avenged on that one many times mm-hmm. over. Uh, frankly, 100%. I was going to say the wider community definitely show. says that. Yep. Yeah, We've and I can tell you stories about that, yeah. possibly. But oh. the thing is, though, <laughs> but I can tell you stories about that one because, uh, yeah, I, I got to work on Mass Effect Three though. That was a good production oh, right. uh, overall. Mm. So that was that was it's completely different than Andromeda. Andromeda was a, a whole other production. Uh, oh, and that's yeah. where they shoved frostbite down tell. my throat. Yeah. yeah. I was going to uh, say, because that was around about the time when EA started getting their mitts on frostbite, putting it literally with everything, because... Everything. Even golf. Wasn't yeah. it, it was DICE who made the engine, didn't they? And then, because they'd probably yes. spent quite a lot of money on creating the engine, they wanted to utilize across the business. Yes. And, and yeah, I'm yeah, sure I got FIFA <laughs> struggled with it for a fair while, didn't they? Yeah, everybody does. Um, anybody who's not making a first-person shooter uh, where... Like, like to give you an idea, when you pick up a, a weapon on the floor, 
uh, it, it completely swaps out the character and it loads up another character altogether. Uh, so it's not even, you can't even oh, like wow. transfer Whoa. stuff while, like it's designed specifically for Battlefield. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So oh, not, it's, not it's, anymore. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is it's a very specific engine and it works really well for Battlefield. And the second that you bring anything else into it, uh, or you try to make it do something else, it's very costly and it takes time and it's very painful for the devs to to adapt quick enough. By the time you fixed all the main problem, anyways, uh, yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting off that, tangent. You want to talk about that animation? But what I'm saying here is that it's fascinated you look at, though. <laughs> <laughs> the the Andromeda scenario is actually a really good one to use as a reference here. The Andromeda scenario you have, and despite what you may have read, there weren't really two teams. There was at Bioware. There's just one core decision-making team. The whole concept of an art director, like if you have an art director in, let's say in Montreal, which was the studio that was doing the Andromeda, uh, like primarily doing Andromeda, what's the point of an art director if you have a franchise art director that can oversee you or or just go right over your head and change everything you do? So at the end of the day, the direction for all Bioware things were always, always, for every single game, always in Edmonton, where 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 it started. And these are the people making the decisions that have the impacts on the game that you're that you're going to have as a result. So let's take Andromeda for a sec. Andromeda goes it goes really badly because of NDA. No one can say anything of what's, what's actually going on. You've got you guys like Schreer that come in and and <laughs> have their narrative, so they have their spin <laughs> on things. Yeah, yeah. Don't we've uh, I'm notoriously blocked by Schreer, to be honest. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. he didn't like some criticism. I, yeah. uh, I leveraged it in one of his articles. Yeah. Like, I, I, I appreciate uh, some of the things he does, but anyway. Right, right. I'll, I'll yeah, keep his name course. out then. Uh, but uh, let's say like, there, was, there was a lot of spin on what happened with Andromeda. And uh, there was this narrative that was created, and everybody, everybody went with it. And what I find funny is that after Anthem came out, that narrative wasn't reevaluated. People didn't go back and say, wait a second. This is another failure, right. and it's the, hmm, maybe there's a connection here. So, anyways, my point is, in North America, it seems, uh, when it comes to like big fiascos like this, where you have a really bad game that comes out, um, you end up blaming they end up blaming the studio, and as a result, all the people that I know that were working uh, at Bioware in Montreal, they all got transferred. They they call it transferring it to another another uh, studio. They got put on the motive uh, studio and uh, did some other things. Um, and then they, they didn't lose their jobs that way directly, but basically they shut down the studio for all intensive purposes. Mm-hmm. That studio was shut down, took the blame for everything. And uh, the people who actually caused all, a lot of the grief that was there uh, walked away and then ended up making a second disaster game uh, right in front of everybody. And that, that for me was like, Huh? Did anybody see indication? That? No. no, it's like exactly. uh, it's unfortunate that there's I've no discussion. I've never made that after. connection. Yeah, oh, I never yeah. made the connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're good I at that. Anthem. I wanted Anthem to do really well. People did. The idea was great. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. The idea was oh. wonderful, but uh, but anyways, uh, I can tell you stories about that. But the idea here is that in in, in Japan, you you have like these failures, and then the the, the game director takes the whole heat. And then takes yeah. it straight right. in the face, right? It's a it's a big punch to the teeth, mm-hmm. uh, and and in this case, I I think he was like uh, Yuji Nakasan probably uh, was thinking that he was going to get the same deal as uh, what Final Fantasy got, 
So yes, the game's a disaster or whatever. It got shipped quickly. Here's the thing. Square Enix knew. So they're yeah. not, their hands aren't clean in this thing. I know for a fact that Square Enix knew because they get to check the builds. Mm-hmm. And they, they can say yes or no to, to, to those things. Yeah. Uh, they, they can say, no, we're going we're gonna to hold it back for a year. And in fact, that's right. quite often what happens. So in this case, they are complicit in this scenario. Yeah, that's why he sued them. So. That's why he sued them because yeah, they, I know he he took he took the heat and then went no no guys like you but Square Enix very obviously I mean I I didn't get to see all the minutes of the of the case I only got to see the the rap but this, it's the same thing for the original Final Fantasy fourteen and it was the same thing for recently Stranger in Paradise mm-hmm. they know that that those games are not great but they have that they do is they allot a certain amount of money a certain amount of time and they go this is what you've got. Make the best game you can, and that's it. That's why uh, they recently let go Idos and, and all of them because uh, the Marvel games did not do well. Right. Yeah. Right. It did not do well. They said, but right. but some people, but some people, obviously not the um, not the, the live service one, but Guardians of the Galaxy, even though it sold okay, there was no marketing. And they, the thing is that to be fair, they do the same thing with some of their old, like for example, The World Ends With You too. There were a lot of people, including myself, who were very much looking forward to it. And Square Enix did no marketing, nothing. Yeah. To the point that even but even people video. like Stealth, who who are always on the ball when it comes yeah. to this kind of yeah. marketing, he's like, yeah. "Where's the market? Where, where's the materials?" They didn't even have gameplay until like the the, the last couple of weeks till yeah. the game came out. They they spent millions of marketing in Japan, but Square Enix was prepared for it to be a failure in North America because I don't think they wanted to do another one, and nobody could figure out why. It was a great game. Yeah, yeah. no one could figure out why. Yeah, it also seems a bit strange considering that very recently they've just announced a new Tomb Raider game to be done by Crystal Dynamics and now have basically just sold the property they off. Sold, I was going to say, they sold it off. But, you know, here's another aspect. And Pete, you'll back me up on this one. So my favorite game of the year last year <laughs> was uh, Power Wash Simulator. Oh, Lauren loves that one. It's yeah, it's wonderful. But it's an EA game. And it's in oh, it's Square Enix, isn't it? Oh no, no, Square Enix. I'm in Square Enix. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. That's me. That's yeah, me and my. It's, it's, I mix it's... words up all the time. Yeah, the old Square uh, Enix. I'm in Square Enix. Game. Sorry, because uh, obviously we're talking about Square Enix. <laughs> but, um, that's a Square Enix game, but it's in beta on Steam, and I have to wonder: is this a? I mean, obviously it's not a major, you know, title or anything, but is this kind of like an experimentation of? Hmm. I could have swore it was an indie game when it first came out. Yeah, um, it was an indie game, and then Square Enix got really interested in it mm-hmm. and was like, what? "We're gonna step uh. in and uh, start handling this." And then um, mm-hmm. they now have a lot of control over what is posted about um, that game on socials and everything. Really? Wow. See, yeah, I didn't okay. realize that. I wonder if this is kind of a new business model. You know, they just realized it would to. do so well in Japan and yeah. stuff, and they're like, "This would do well for anyone because there's no." Basically, in their minds, anyone can just sit down and play mm-hmm. this. Anyone. No knowledge right. or anything. So they're like, this is going to sell loads. So that's why they're so interested mm-hmm. in it. And they've been Thanks. doing the the uh, the rounds with the trade shows recently as well, where it's been yeah, pretty yeah. much every single one that I've been to this year. Yeah, um, it was at, um, not EGX. It was uh, not called the... EGX. There you go. Yeah, Pete was at WASD. Mm-hmm. Um... Oh, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's... Huh, this is very interesting to see what kind of new direction they're going in. Um, 
But that does bring us to uh, Lauren. What about you? Have you worked on AAA for AAA Studios? I'll say. Um, I haven't, and I hope I don't know. Be <laughs> 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 um, fair. I mean, bad practices do happen in in indie studios as well. We know. We know. Yeah. How. Oh yeah. yeah, we've heard we've heard stories about obviously the, um, the Gone Home Studio. And, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, there terrible. Was one recently yes. as well, wasn't there? That came out. Trying to remember what it was. Yeah, just uh, to be, just to be fair, because the same thing. I you know. I, I always get into this this conversation when people say, "Oh, there's a lot of bad practices and sexism in games." I said, "Let me tell you about publishing. Let yeah. me tell you how how agents won't sign you unless you sleep with them. Uh, I could uh, I could tell you a lot of things. Yes, it's it's yes. everywhere. It's yes. just more pronounced in video games because it's a it's a very popular and very public industry. Mm-hmm. Yes, publishing is still very much behind closed doors." Yes, I 100% exactly agree with you, and yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so, um, Michelle, what about you? Triple A experience? Uh, I worked I worked sort of like on the sidelines of it, double uh, A, but oh, okay. uh, I worked I worked for uh, Mystic, which was a subsidiary of Atari, and I worked for, yes. um, yeah. I worked for a lot of, um, uh, like uh, PC titles for and, and DS titles uh, during the Wii era, and uh, I mean it was fun. It was fine. I actually I was very lucky because I had a great. I I worked with great teams, really nice people, uh, and then I worked freelance. So even though you know right. freelance has its own issues, like not getting credited in the games we've worked on, which has happened to me several times. So uh, I saw a recent post about that. Someone had posted about that on Twitter, as a matter yeah. of fact, and, it, and I didn't realize that was such a common practice. Yes, because because when you sign NDAs and they they don't want you to if you're a freelancer they don't want you to talk about the thing that you're working on. It doesn't matter if you work on it for two weeks or f- or five months, so you cannot say anything until the end, until the game is actually released, and then only to find out that you were not credited because you're a freelancer. Because oftentimes many or at least tri- a lot of AAA studios, especially ones like Ubisoft, they will mm-hmm. outsource so many things, and they right. just don't want people to know that. Like, like what's happened with Skull and Bones, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So they're, yeah. they, you know, when people find out that they, they start outsourcing things, then people go, wait a second, wait a second. You said it was that studio that was responsible for it. And really, no, not really. Yeah. Uh, they, they'll, they'll outsource for cheaper labor and, right. then, n- and right. then not credit, and then not credit the people who've worked on it. So it's the same thing with freelancing. A lot of, a lot of times freelancers are cheaper labor. And since you can't say anything, you don't know until the game is out whether or not you've been credited. So I've worked on maybe about 20 games. And I've been credited for about three or four. Oh, and that's oh, about that's it. Awesome. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's how it is. That's all wrong. Yeah, it sucks. Um, so I, I spent, I did, I did a lot of work for Gamers Digital back when uh, they were doing stuff on PC, doing uh, like narrative games and things like that. And I think, think they're still available, but they're, they've since they, they, they went down the wrong path of, in the Wii U era and unfortunately had to close. Um, yeah, that's how it is. But it's okay. I mean, and I've been doing things like on the side for 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 games ever since. Yeah. I mean, let's let's be honest. They developed for the the Wii U. It was probably not a good decision. That's Pete's favorite game console of all of them. Is the it actually Wii U. is. I love that. Actually, it's a great console. The virtual, the virtual <laughs> machine. The virtual machine was amazing. It was so good. Mm. It's the first time I got to play Super Mario RPG, being an Englishman. So yeah, I'm not going to complain at that thing. It's true. 
That's right, because uh, the virtual console I don't think was region locked. I don't think many things in Nintendo are region locked. So it was so for a lot of people who never got to play any of the even people who never got to play Earthbound before, they find the Wii U right. was the first place they actually got to play it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, then, and that's when they really released Marvel One as well. By uh, mm-hmm. then, called it Earthbound Beginnings. Yeah. Uh, yeah they should never have called it Earthbound <laughs> we, Beginnings. No. We kind of stay away from the whole mother <laughs> thing. You know what? It might. They might be. They might be. Well, there was we will talk see. obviously over this week with Reggie, Reggie talking possibly yes. about it. So, but I was. You know what? I would love the dream. The dream would be if if Reggie if if it came to let's say because you know that we we all know that the Game Boy Advance is coming to the Switch. We all know it, right? Because like, uh, right? yep. the, the engine's been released. We all know it's oh, coming. Yeah. Uh, Game yeah. Boy and Game Boy Advance. They could, they could knock it. Ninten- I know Nintendo's probably not going to do this, but they could knock this out of the park if they just brought Reggie back for one day to introduce Mother 3 for, for the Switch. People Literally. would go nuts. Literally, yeah. all he needs to do is walk on screen and just go Mother 3 and walk away, and that's it, and it's <laughs> done. And that's literally everyone going, Reggie, you're a legend. That's it. Or his puppet. Get his puppet to do it. Oh, yeah, oh, bring please back do. the puppet. Please bring back the puppets. Oh. Yes. Uh, Re- Reggie will... going, I can't be here, but I owe this to you. Here's Mother 3. Uh, oh, that'd be amazing. Oh. I love I love the, those. That was my favorite era was the Iwata-san era oh, where they had just so the, the crazy directs, just the crazy stuff they, that they used to do. They were I mean, they the still funniest. do stuff. Every no, time, very... every time they do, well, because Reggie was a marketing genius. He understood, yes. like he understood that cringe sells. He get it, it yeah. gets it. But it was so good. We loved it. He uh, pe- but he made Pizza high into a powerhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we had a comment in the in the chat saying my body is ready, and I I respect that. <laughs> I, I was wondering yes. how long that was going to take. <laughs> my, bo- my my body is Reggie. Uh, that's this episode, Pete. Um, I bought it. <laughs> I want to ask. My uh, body is Reggie. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll start with Louis, and then if you want anyone wants to throw their opinions into the ring, absolutely. Um, so just for our viewers and listeners. Um, when we talk about indie studios, now, do you feel before Sony purchased them, was Bungie, would be, Bungie have been considered an indie studio? Is that something we're kind of dealing with that? Ah, so, sorry, I, I just, I just want to make a comment because a lot of people, uh, Lauren also gets this on, on our channel, which is, what, what is indie? Is <laughs> it the money? That's because technically, yeah. technically, you know, That's Psychonauts that, yeah. 2, before, before money? Xbox jumped yeah, yeah, yeah. in. Psychonauts 2 was technically still indie because it was crowdfunded yes. just because it has a team of, you know, I think 35 or 40 people. Yeah. You know, so, but is, is indie a p- one person? Is indie a small team? Is indie, cause you know, with Senua, a lot of people look at Senua and they yeah. say, oh, or Hellblade rather. And they go, oh, yeah. that's indie. And I go, nah. Well, at, at the time, Ninja Theory, I believe before the purchase by Microsoft were, were deemed a double A studio, were they not? That's right. Yes, that's yeah. right. Uh, I and, guess and they put out they, they put out uh, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice as a triple A mm-hmm. game under a double A budget. No. So so um, here's the funny part about that. Like I'll reverse the question. What sure. determines a triple A studio? Right. What is your definition of triple A? See, for me, a triple A studio is a studio that is traded on the markets. Hmm. That's right. So technically, everything from Devolver is no longer indie because now they're public. 
See, that's oh, that's my definition. Yeah. CD Projekt Red also is in that department. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's... Right. Okay, so from from a non-business perspective, like just as someone who's a consumer themselves, I probably would have said someone that's not owned by a subsidiary. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. From from my perspective, I think uh, because we we've grappled with this even in like mm-hmm. I've worked at a number of places like uh, there was a couple of places that you would consider AAA. It depends. Like even even the game that you're working on. Um, it, you might be for a big working for a big company like EA or Square Enix or something like that, but then you might be working on a game that's definitely not a AAA game. Like so, for example, um, I worked on Need for Speed, Dead Space, Mass Effect Three, all kinds of stuff, good stuff. Um, although I have PTSD for each one of those, but <laughs> but I also worked on kids games. Uh, for example, I worked on um, a game. Uh, we're going back to the Wii era. Um, like in the Wii era, I was making a game called uh, Boogie. Uh, I was actually on Boogie Two, the sequel, and it's a game that's the original Boogie was just a, a dancing game for for kids to use the Wii Mote. And you right. you kind of do the movement and uh, you follow along with the songs and so on. And you had uh, karaoke and things like that. And it was a fun little game. Uh, when I when we worked on when I worked on Boogie Two, it changed. The demographic was very different. They they really blew, in the marketing department they really blew it on that one. But because mm-hmm. uh, it became a niche of a niche of a niche. Mm-hmm. Anyways, all this to say, despite working for EA for many years and different projects, I can say that the company itself doesn't determine if it's a AAA uh, game or not. Mm. Uh, each game has its own budget. So when I was working on Boogie 2, for example, that is definitely not a AAA game. That right. we had, I would, I, you know, like even the term AAA comes from stocks, really. Uh, AAA just means it's a certain quality and you know you're yeah. going to get a, ref- uh, uh, you're going to get a certain amount of money back uh, guaranteed, right? So, mm. um, or at least they're they're considered uh, highly, uh, that to, to, you know, percentage-wise. Anyways, yeah. so from my perspective, AAA has always been a question of how much money is being put into the game. So, for example, Andromeda uh, didn't have a lot of money, according to the people that uh, that, that we worked on. It's only about forty-five million. That's actually pretty low, compa- considering how big a game it was considered. They really skimped on it, right? right? For a lot of things, even though they spent millions on on, on lip sync that never even got included into the game. Go figure. I'm not kidding you. They oh have millions gosh. of dollars of lip sync that never. Anyways, I can't say anymore. Oh but, my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my so, gosh! So it's it's hilarious uh, like how certain productions have all this money and then others don't, and we just kind of lump things up uh, based on the company that 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 controls it. So from my perspective, um, the same thing goes for indie. So if if AAA is let's say we give it a number, let's say it's a hundred million dollars for a project. Mm-hmm. If you have a hundred million dollars, that is a AAA production. You have the money to be able to make the game pretty much any way you want. Okay. Okay. Unless it's like GTA, in which case it's like something really big. Where it's very ambitious point of view of uh, game uh, game design, and it's it's got a lot of technical issues. You might actually you're easily going to go over that. They I think they they were five hundred million, uh, mm-hmm. something like that. That would uh, not surprise me in the least. Um, yeah. And so yeah. so basically, what I'm saying is anything above a hundred million is basically AAA, and then uh, for indie, I think like the, the easiest way to calculate it isn't with a number of uh, uh, dollar signs, it's uh, a number of people. I think okay. the second that you have a studio under 10, uh, roughly around 10, right. that's basically the cutoff. The second that you start okay. bringing in more than 10 people, maybe you're getting to 20, it's getting questionable at that point. At that point, you're kind of in another another gray zone, another zone. 
so for me, indie really like like the concept of a single person making a whole game by themselves. We've seen it a couple times now. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like Stardew Valley. Uh, yeah. Sword of Iron uh, is the most recent. Yes, yes, that's that. right. Uh, Joe's so a great guy. All these... Oh, he is. He is. Yeah. He's a great guy. Uh, our co-host um, who sometimes comes not here today recently um recently interviewed him actually for his blog so yeah very 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 nice guy just very intelligent just oh yeah Yeah. great guy we 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 talked a bunch over over twitter when he was first working on sword of iron he is very interesting yeah yeah and one but that that's you know that really speaks to it one person can do a full developmental you know develop of a game which just blows my mind (laughs) yeah um yeah, I was going to say you could also say the same about Toby Fox, who spent a vast oh, oh, yeah. the game working yeah, on that sure. himself. But he had to get some extra people in to do some artwork, and that was it. But they're they're very much considered indie, aren't they? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, so there's a couple of examples where like uh, uh, Little Kitty Big City, that is also a game that's being mm-hmm. made primarily by one person. I met. Yeah. Right. <laughs> even, even in our case, as far as the company goes, yes, we're yeah. three at the moment, but we're, there's only right. really one person that's doing 95% of the game itself, the development of the game. I'm going to be very specific. Right. So, so that, that is for me, that's indie. Like all mm-hmm. of these smaller, like small groups putting things together, even Hades can possibly, oh, possibly be put into that category because of the, how many people they had. It was right. Like, that one's borderlining, right? Yeah. There's quite a, there's a, quite a few extras, but uh, as far as the core, team goes it's a small number so so you 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 could say just to add to what luis is saying as well we know somebody who was the lead art for child of light child of light even though it was put out by ubisoft Mm -hmm. there were there were a handful of people on that game that's it and child of light was excellent so you know you can have a triple a company that invests in smaller indie games that that's fine or look at uh, we were talking about before xbla right when, mm-hmm. when you talk about the xbox live arcade yeah. Yeah. look at all those games that we had there like braid oh. and explosion man and all that stuff yes. oh yeah back then that for me again as a as a player not as a developer was indie heyday yeah it was because great. World of Goo, all of them. But all Xbox, of that, yes. Xbox funded those, but yes. very small, very small. Mm-hmm. And most of those games were made by, you know, one to five mm-hmm. people. Yeah. But they were all great. But technically, oh, even though Xbox funded it, that's still indie. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is good. This is put in perspective. Because, I mean, you see people argue, and I kind of always wonder. And I'm using Bungie as the because it's the biggest one. I I guess I could have used Rockstar, but it's the biggest one I know. <laughs> and I'm a former Bungie fan girl. <laughs> former here, actually, I love. You Destiny can still be. One. I was gonna say it's former. Thinking hmm, I should play again. <laughs> no, I do so much. <laughs> but you turned um, your back on Bungie for many years. Then you played Destiny, and you went right back in. They so. betrayed me <laughs> by leaving the Halo series that I loved. Also, don't watch the Halo TV series. But oh, anyway. I've heard it's so bad. <laughs> it's uh, so I'm bad. not looking forward to Paramount Plus coming over here. So everyone oh my sick, gosh. So. Anyways, that is a pure sidetrack, but don't watch it. Um, but anyway, uh, so that that actually comes up a lot is our big studios like uh, Rockstar, Bungie, you know, are they considered indie? No. Um, type of thing. But I kind of like this definition of indie being more... Um, you know, how many people are part of the studio, mm. you know, as opposed to the money that's invested or the games that are produced or whatever. Yeah, for, for Bungie, I think 
they, they will never be I can, I can never consider them indie um just from the perspective of how much of an infection they got from working on activision and their yeah. way of designing games now is just so it like it's greedy I, i'm really sad <laughs> to see it's, it's what they've flat become. Greedy. It's even, greedy even yeah. if the game is good even if the game is good which a lot of people are enjoying it and that's wonderful their yeah. pay model is just it's manipulative egregious. And it's yeah. yeah, I paid for one season of uh, of Destiny 2, and I, even I saw that was egregious enough to not carry on paying for it. N- not only that, but there's still, we noticed the other day that all of their, like, uh, like uh, what's it called, Sh- Sh- Shadow Keep and all that, it, it's, it's still on sale. Yeah, it's still on sale on PlayStation, and you can't even play it anymore. No, That's it's disgraceful. Vaulted. It's vaulted. Um, so you can still yeah. buy it. <laughs> you can still buy it. And um, you can't play it. That's the thing. I, I was so well, angry. I thought that was terrible. But that point kind of brings uh, to 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 forward to um, they have a terrible pay model as we know, but it must not have been making them money if they allowed Sony to purchase them. It's kind of my logic that I've kind of been dealing with, and I wonder if that is realizing that Bungie is not really a technical indie studio, but is that something that befalls um, indie studios, and is that why they so readily sell out to? No, in the case of, I, I don't think Bungie is the same thing because Bungie probably was making good money, and now they make more money, or they, this deal was really good. Okay. So it's just a question of I got something, or I got everything. Yeah. See, I'm everything. bad about greed. Greed Fair doesn't enough. make sense to me. Even as a business owner, I always like Elon Musk. Boom over my head. Yeah. I'm just like, what? Well, apparently he's not buying Twitter anymore. I know. I saw. <laughs> and see, here's the thing. Okay, light aside, and we'll totally get back on track. Uh, so as a business owner, I could not, I'm sorry, Pete, I couldn't understand why he borrowed, uh, I think he borrowed $3 billion against his own stocks to mm-hmm. buy a company that's not profitable. It just blew my mind. And I was just like, there's no logic to this. <laughs> so I didn't think he was going to go through the sale, and it looks like he's not going to because nope. that is not a sound business practice. That's an ego thing. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> He's such a word that I was told not to say on, on okay. this panel. <laughs> Look, if you are allowed to say it, it's just... I'm no, no, I'm good. <laughs> we, good. We like to... Uh, we bleep ours with the... Uh, what's that goose game? Untitled, Untitled Goose Goose. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. 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 Pete loves that game. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait, I, that's I, an I, indie I, game, right? Yeah. yeah. Is Untitled Goose game an indie it game? Was, yeah, I was... Yes, house, house, four four people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, I am blown away by indie studios every, every time. That's the thing is, I think we need to have a distinction within the community, really, of indie and independent. They are very, very different, aren't they? Uh, Yes. Very good. Yeah. Because Bungie are in were until Sony came in independent of anyone else after the Activision situation. but, I'm, yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe that they allowed anyone to purchase them after the Activision debacle. Well, the, but there's a question there uh, that begs the question. So EA, who owns EA? Ooh. Investors own Does EA. it matter? They're, right. They, True, because yeah. they're technically independent too. I mean, they independently oh. uh, run EA. Good mm. I mean, the, the definition Actually. of independent at that point is... That's a good point. That's yeah. yeah. Actually, I've, I've well, really or CD Projekt Red when when yeah. Witcher came out, technically they were independent. They hadn't gone public yet. Right. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So the whole term independent for me is it's a it's very subjective. So at the end of the day, I think 
like the way I see it is, um, if you look at, okay, I, I'll try not to, to go off tangent here, but before I was a game developer, I was also doing, uh, I was also an accountant. Uh, and I studied oh, commerce and a whole bunch of stuff. Anyways, that's a side note. But that's excellent to be an accountant and then go into game development. I'm just saying. Twenty from years a later, perspective. Yeah, yeah. there's a little bit of dust on those books, but yeah. <laughs> but the thing okay. is, though, I still have training from that era, mm-hmm. and there was a couple of things that I learned along the way. Um, like there was, I had actually pretty good training. Um, the, uh, or at least I think so. Uh, one of the things that I was taught was the uh, Boston Consulting Matrix. Um, and it's kind of right. like, an, yeah, it's basically a, the, the concept of it is very simple. You have multiple products when you when you're running a company, uh, hopefully, right. and um, you you have one that might be a cash cow. It makes a lot of money. They they call it a cash cow in the uh, Boston Consulting Matrix, mm-hmm. and that's the one that makes money. But it's under the idea that that cash cow will eventually dry out. So that's what right. you need to be doing is investing money into these other questionable games and or rather products that mm-hmm. you don't know if they're going to work or not. And if they fail, it's okay, because out of all the things that you're investing money into these things, one of them will turn into a new cash cow, and you have to accept that. You take a look at Ubisoft right right now, and as a a former accountant, I am very worried about them, because it's like they have milked that that cow completely, and they have not invested in any new uh, IPs, really. You Think back. Remember when Splinter Cell was a thing? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, what gosh, came after yes. that? Well, Assassin's I think, Creed. I think actually what we should be asking is, uh, does anyone remember Splinter Cell at this point? <laughs> of course! <laughs> yes! uh, of course I do. I'm old enough to, but yeah. it's just... But I mean, if, if they take Assassin's Creed and do what they had originally said not too long ago, which is turn it to a live service game, I could see that kind of becoming a success if they did something more along the lines of like historical... Mm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the historical thing has uh, is no longer a thing with Ubisoft. Yeah, don't, don't, don't I, get, don't I mean, get me started. And, magic and, stuff now. and, and to be fair, we, we've had a comment on that. Nana says, man, if they could invest in something, if they made oh, a new Rayman game, and I guess. Yeah. yeah, seriously, but that's my point. It's like, think of any era, like Splinter Cell era, yeah. the uh, Prince of Persia era. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah, you can you can go through the history of, of of Ubisoft, and you always see that they have one thing, and it dies off eventually, yeah. and then right. something else comes in and takes its place. Right. That's that's right? the that's business. That's how that that's, goes. Yes. Yeah. That's that's what the Boston yeah. Consulting Matrix is about. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's about yes, having it these these uh, you're investing into these other things that eventually uh, keep yep. your company alive. And right now, I I, I can't help but think there's a. Uh, in the AAA industry, like especially for EA, Ubisoft, and all the the big ones, they're no longer investing in in the in these things. Yeah, like five, five years, or I would say it's like seven years ago. Back so for, for like Child of Light, Might and Magic, Ubisoft started to do all of these little things, and Child of Light sold very well, and then they canceled the second one for no reason. So well, they it, they had they had they have a bunch they started they had a bunch of these little games that they were doing which they were only releasing for digital which was wonderful right and then they just stopped and so, that was it but at the end of the day what you have is like if if a game costs a hundred million dollars to make it's a big risk to go in a direction that's completely different mm-hmm. right yeah. you can you could really tank the company so in the case of Child of Light it's a small game if it goes in the wrong direction it's okay. And that's that's fine, but it did well. But they didn't they didn't do anything more with it because they couldn't do anything else. So it's risky to make a AAA game that costs a hundred million dollars, and because of that, they will not take risks in the game design. 
Mm. And, and so for me, indie is where the creativity exists simply because you don't have the same scenario. If like people are going to be making games uh, as best they can for, for a number of reasons, and they, they have the, 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 they, can, they can be as creative as they want. However, their livelihood is on the line. What an incentive. So the indie okay. games, I think, is where, where creativity will, will, be, um, will be living for a long time. And then from there, chances are in the near future, I get the feeling what we're going to start seeing is these AAA companies are starting to dwindle because their sales are going. Uh, sorry, I used the. No, that's fine. That's your one, the, the one, one time I think we can use that word. word. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we'll honk it. Uh. <laughs> so they're, they're, what they're going to see is sales are going uh, are downward projection, let's say. And uh, then what they're probably, we're going to get into an era where we're already starting to see it, where they're going to start com- coming in and buying all the indies. They're going to start looking at these companies mm-hmm. that have potential or have ideas or have are, are even capable of being creative. Because here's the here's the one that I would say as a, a AAA, uh, an ex AAA developer, we weren't allowed to be creative. And as a result, your process for making a game is very different than when you have to be creative. And I've had many discussions about this with many people in in, in this particular city about how most of the games here. It's where games come to die because a lot of games, I'm not really? kidding. There's, I can make a list of games that died in the really? city of Montreal. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm shocked at that just well, because I know there's so many subsidiaries that are Montreal. Yeah. Montreal oh, yeah. yeah. Montreal's huge. But yeah. everything comes to die here because the people that are, that are running the show here are always making remakes or uh, continuation of something that already existed. Mm-hmm. They're not trained to think about making something new. They don't have that training. And a lot of them will, like, I remember talking to this one guy. Uh, it was in more or less an indie studio. And, uh, you know, we were all these, like, basically people who left the uh, the, the industry and, like, the AAA studios uh, in one way or another. And we were all together. And I had this discussion with him. And I was like, making a reskin of an other game is not the same as developing a new one. It's completely right. different. You have to sh- switch gears completely. It's, it's not the same skills. And the, this guy was um, an art director for the Assassin's Creed. He had been in Assassin's Creed. Uh, he was so he was he he knows production well. He's got skills. Right. But right. he, no joke, looked at my face and said, "Hey, I worked on uh, Far Cry Primal. Uh, I know what it's like to start oh. a game from scratch." And I was like, "Right." My brain just exploded. Like I was like, oh, I don't God. have an answer for this. You think that Far Far Cry. Uh, like Far Cry Primal is is our is, it's, it's already original. a reskin. It's got the yes. word Far Cry in the title. You're telling me that's a new game? That's how. That's how. Um, a terrible game. But I, well, I see. I was I was gonna say I'll be controversial and say it's the only Far Cry other than Blood Dragon that I actually oh, yeah. like. But that's because. <laughs> Blood Dragon, yes. But that's because far, it was so different. I don't like war games and Far Cry Primal, especially as an archaeology nut like I am. That's- I was really excited about this. The gameplay was not amazing. Amazing, but I really liked the world and I thought it was different and then it just died yeah but, I, but I my point to that. him was it's not something new and there's a difference between no, game development and game production and the thing that this city is great at is game production they make these long lists and they get through it efficiently with incredible talents behind it you give them something new boom <laughs> the game's dead right instantly we, and i've seen it too many times <laughs> yeah we've just had a comment about that in the in the chat from jonathan over who said it didn't die it became extinct 
<laughs> nice, oh. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, I, very I good, thought, very good. It's very good. <laughs> I actually thought it was very brave of them to do uh, Far Cry Blood Dragon um, because it was so different at the time. Um, and then, and that game was very successful, again, mm-hmm. as a player. Because it was creative. Exactly, that's exactly where I was going with Lots that. of imagination. Exactly. Yeah, they, they really touched the retro, uh, uh, like oh, they, yeah. they had everything, it was perfect, like it was yeah, great on so many levels. Yeah, the, 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 the 80s aesthetic, it, yeah. They, Even they, the voice actors were, uh, oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> very cool <laughs> but, um, but yeah the audio it, listeners it, that was a cat walking into frame <laughs> <laughs> for two seconds i thought it was a raccoon it totally threw me off uh, so steve meyer is a raccoon he is a little <laughs> sneaky he says he's very sneaky tanuki yeah. um, <laughs> um but uh i had a question and then it left my brain pete go for it until i remember <laughs> Yeah, you put me on the spot. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, it just went poof. I saw the kitty cat and I was like, oh. <laughs> Brilliant. So am I right, uh, actually, as a, someone who's based in Canada, uh, was I right in hearing that actually the Canadian government give tax breaks for game developers? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Okay, okay. Okay, so he- here is the thing, because I think a lot of Americans and other, other folk in the world okay. get this wrong, because there is a great deal. Yes, this, the CMF does give money for funding certain yes. games. Certain games. Okay. However, oh, okay. people well, think... I want to clear up the misconception then yes so people think that it is a grant it is not you are borrowing money and you must pay it back yes okay well i was gonna say some really high quality stuff has been produced through that i did not realize that was a payback but yes you have to pay it back that's why so for example um let's take uh like sabotage uh the guys who did the messenger messenger wonderful game funded by the cmf but then for sea of stars they went to Kickstarter because they had to give the money back. Uh, you got to give see. it back. It's the same thing. Same thing with the, what's it called? The Spirit Fair, Thunder Lotus, right? Spirit Fair is brilliant. Oh, sorry, I, no, <laughs> I forgot. Right. Beep. Um, but Spirit Fair was was incredible. But they didn't. Uh, they uh, it was hard for them to get funded. They went to Kowloon Knights instead because the, you you what? have to pay back. You must pay back the CMF if your game does well. You have to pay back. Uh, uh, I think half was it fifty well, percent of your. The, of it's you... in the name that they call themselves the Canadian Media Fund. Fund. They get emphasis on word right, fund. Okay. So they will give you money in uh, only if they feel that there's going to be money back. Mm-hmm. So they are investing. They're like an investment. Oh, group. it's. An, I was going to say that's more of an investor. Yes. yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And here's where it gets really messy. Yeah. Now, there's only one major benefit from the CMF is that. If things go belly up, you don't have to pay them back. Right. Okay. So right. here's here's where it gets really bad. If you're a legitimate company that wants to make a game, like let's say Recombobulator Games wants to make Space Boat, mm-hmm. and we contact them three times, and we show them all kinds of things that we want to do, and we're realistic about everything that we say we're going to do, they don't want to invest in us. Nope. Now, the, then you go to another company where I worked at, I won't say the name. Okay. Uh, it was an indie game company because this is like, I, I went from, from small games to AAA, then to, I tried the, the smaller indie uh, studios. 
in hopes of finding some some mental peace and and being able to work on something right. I could enjoy. Yeah. And and then eventually I, I even left that because I was like, forget it. I'm gonna make my own my own company with blackjack and. and <laughs> <laughs> and hookers. Uh, exactly. So, so here's the thing. I work for one in particular uh, that will remain nameless. Uh, that basically, uh, I, and it's tough to say it without saying it. Uh, basically, what they did is they got money from the CMF under some false pretense. Oh. Okay. You got to understand the CMF is primarily movie people. They don't really right. understand games all too well. Yeah, they, they don't know how right. game development works, so you could tell them At whatever. All. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very frustrating, because uh, at one point they were like, oh, who's the producer? And we're, I'm like, who cares? It, it's like, not that I don't care who the producer is. I'm like, that's not what determines if a game uh, works or not. Like, especially if you consider how do uh, independent one-person one uh, game developers do it? Yeah. But who's the producer there? You know, it's like, that's the mentality is just, anyways. So the CMF was a terrible experience for us. But then I look at the other people who, who actually got a lot of money. In the end, they, they got money, but then their business didn't work out. I won't say it was by design, but maybe it was by design. <laughs> so then they don't have to pay back. And then they're just sitting on a whole bunch of assets that they can sell to another company. Right. Oh my goodness. So right. to them, game development is... This, this yeah. is the game development. This is how they play the game. This right. is how they make their money. For me, the CMF money would have been money for me to be able to get the game, uh, the game company going. Like to actually, like I want to make the money from the sales, not from actually developing the game. Right. Right. So right. that's the main difference. Whereas these companies, right. these groups, they're making the money from the game development and not the game sales. Ooh. Huh. Now that's Interesting. See, we have something kind of the equivalent called the NIA Arts Council, mm -hmm. Northern Ireland Arts Council, and they give mm -hmm. uh, grants. We have uh, we have two or three indie development studios here. One of them is headed by a Canadian guy who <laughs> lives here in, in Belfast. Um, great character. Um, but they produce games. Now their games are mostly, I would say, mobile oriented or whatever uh less console more more mobile oriented. is this the dicey dungeon studio uh, no uh, I'm, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll refrain from saying their name just oh, okay just oh so sorry sorry uh, you're fine you're absolutely fine um but uh they get paid regardless we give mm -hmm. grants like the ni arts council i can't fault them if i'm honest i can't fault them they just keep you money <laughs> Um, but I can't say that that's, I'm being careful with how I phrase this, but that's not enhanced creativity. Yes. It has oh. enhanced production. Yeah. There's more right. quantity rather than quality there. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, I think that's very interesting to hear it from, like, a Canadian perspective, the same kind of idea and how it you know comes about but this is why a lot of indie people will go and look for publishers because they're because even even with something like the cmf you have to pay that money back or even even with a publisher you have to pay the money back but at least right. they're willing to fund and half the time they'll just let you do what you want uh, and here no one yeah. pays you don't have to pay it back yeah, see, you're lucky. Yeah, Yours is an actual grant. Yeah, ours yeah, is not a grant. Yeah, it's an actual grant. But at the same time, there's no real... Oh, God, I sound terrible. But there's no real accountability. 
Um, yeah, I see what you mean. I mean. There is, but there isn't. There is in the in the form of like charity ac- accountability, which mm. I'm familiar with that kind of stuff, grant writing that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But they just produce stuff, you know. But it's not necessarily. I don't want to say good, but I am saying good. It's not necessarily. <laughs> good. <laughs> it's I, good in I that know. anybody can actually get it, but bad yes, in that in that I, it's nothing. It, it, well, it's the same thing. They're wonderful people, but it's very generic. It's very churned It's the out. same thing with Kickstarter, right? I mean, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We, we can have great things that come out of Kickstarter, amazingly wonderful games, yeah. but then there are, you know, a handful mm-hmm. that they... Exactly. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, that was sad. It was, yeah. it was. Uh, I, I, I mocked oh. because I wanted it to succeed. I, no. I mourn for Mega Man friends. Oh, I know. But that's another point, which is indie studios and funding. How do you feel like, oh God, okay, I'm, how am I going to phrase this? Uh, if you have an idea that you really, really want to produce, would you do crowdfunding? Would you do crowdsourcing? Would you... <laughs> You know, we if we did it, if we did it didn't work for us i mean it uh, there are a lot of people there it it all depends on what your game is depends what you want to do uh but i mean i think luis's advice and, and uh, everybody's advice in, in general would be prototype at first prototype at first just yeah, to make sure your game works like just I like recently that. i heard there was a uh, somebody from a really nice group um so i, I don't mean this as a criticism but I, they, they said something to the effect of why do I need to make a demo? Uh, like I've got all the right people. Oh, I'm ready no. to go. And I was like, Oh, oh no. you really need to get the demo. This... You need to prove. You have yeah. to. Well, Look, it's, I'm... it's mm-hmm. like with it's like with the film industry. I'm going to go back to that because I know I, I know quite a bit about that one. In, yeah. Um, you need to have a proof of concept at least, and and in game <laughs> development, I guess your proof of concept is actually your game. Yeah, yeah. prototype or a demo. Yeah. 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 Even uh, in. In my line of work, which is just print media and and corporate printing, I have to have a proof of concept. I have to have a demo. I can't sell investors on anything if I don't have a physical product to show them. Um, I mean, I can have all the charisma in the world, but it's like, uh, like I'm not putting my money into like you know. And really, that works for Todd Howard because it just works. <laughs> it just works. <laughs> What do you mean? He he doesn't fund games by the power of his hair? (laughs) Aw, in Todd we trust. I love him. (laughs) See, my Bethesda girl, uh, fangirling comes out. (laughs) You you can understand why I call him Todd Coward now, just to annoy Kylie. In Todd we trust. (laughs) So, actually, there's another layer to Canadian funding, actually. Okay. And this is the big, this is actually where the real money is. The CMF is is chump change compared to to this other one. So each province, uh, for for those of you that are American, don't know what that is. It's a it's like a state. Yeah. Um, so uh, in, big, in Canada we have state. provinces. Yeah. A- and uh, I'm in the province of Quebec. And uh, if you're in the province of Ontario, which is right next door, mm-hmm. there are deals that each one of those provinces can make uh, through subsidies. Mm-hmm. And they're quite substantial. They're in the millions, and I wouldn't be bes- I wouldn't be surprised if some of them are in the with the with the letter B. Um, wow. So they, the uh, yeah the way it works though is that they 
the, these provinces basically want to encourage um, uh, jobs. They want to they want to have more jobs, and they want to encourage uh, all the things that come from these jobs that are created. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the other things that are connected to it. So they can create an industry, and that's the reason why Montreal is um, has so many people working in the video game industry. It's because all of these AAA studios. Yeah, this is the here's a dirty little secret that uh, not a lot of people know apparently. So. AAA, the big studios, I mean, all the big ones, like every single big AAA studio has at some point stepped foot in uh, uh, like around uh, on Quebec, uh, like somewhere on Quebec land mm-hmm. and considered creating um, uh, a studio. Because uh, let's say you have uh, somebody that works in that at your company, 40% of their salary is paid by the government. 40%. Right. That right. to make a lot of sense now. Yeah. Right. So a lot of these studios uh, has just people thrown at it because they need to keep a certain quota of number of people for the deals that they have with the government for the subsidies. Because it's not just the 40%. That's just that's just one of the things you get. There's a whole lot of others. There's millions of dollars involved in each one of these in each one of these deals. And Mont- uh, Quebec has one of the uh, has the highest uh, percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ontario also is doing uh, has a really good incentive for companies to open up there. Now the thing is, from an indie perspective, all of this is worthless. It really is. Uh, they, we see zero dollars come in because the reason why the provinces are bringing in those companies is because they want these large studios to come to their to to uh, to their province, uh, get jobs going, get an industry going and have them pay taxes. An indie studio comes right. in and says, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to start something. It's uh, risky. Uh, I don't know if it's going to work. I've got this many people that I can uh, I can hire. And they're, they're, they're going to be like, good luck with that. Let us know when you're you're in the billions. <laughs> and then uh, we'll, oh we'll may, maybe we'll invest in you. Yeah, so for an indie studio in Canada, uh, there's this, you got, you've got everything stacked against you. There is no right. help coming from anywhere, frankly. Yeah. Mm. Uh, oh it's gosh. absolutely incredible. and it's games not not if i was i was saying like a indie uh movie production yeah maybe the cmf might be really good for that kind of stuff yeah but when it comes to games absolutely zilch we have uh, no help just as a quick experiment actually i decided to just see how many uh how many devs there actually were in montreal and game job hunter is co- uh, claiming there's 54 different development studios alone which is oh, that's there's probably more than that. I was oh, gonna yeah, say. that's ba- that's just based on a quick Google search, and some of the names there are just massive as well. I was gonna like, say, if you look at the credits on any game, there's always a Quebec or Montreal. Oh, yeah. you, you know, yeah. it's the same in the movie always. industry as well. Mm-hmm. 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 There's probably a bunch yeah, of smaller studios movies. like uh, like Sabotage and Tribute mm-hmm. that they haven't that they haven't even included. So here's uh, going back to the other point that I made before. If you consider that the, these studios, these major AAA uh, companies are coming here because they have, for lack of a better term, cheap labor. Right. Let's, let's say what it is. You yeah. have, um, yeah. it's inexpensive labor at that point. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not good at what they do. It's not what I'm saying. Right. However, not at all. Not at all. Um, like, there's a lot of incredible talent in the city, and we've seen some of the best of the best of the industry. I used to have lunch and play games with the art director for God of the New God of War. Like I used oh, nice. to, I've had some, I've had some, I got some stories to tell you. Some really interesting <laughs> people, uh, but uh, like this city has seen some of the best there is out there. 
but it's right. it's thanks I, to I the subsidies really mm -hmm. because the companies came here and they they set up shop however quite often these large companies don't give montreal or canada in general like any of these subsidy uh uh heavy places anything big they always give them sequels or they're put on basically um uh, they're put into place so that they can support the other studio that's the one that's running it so for example um i worked at uh warner brothers so you have like even batman right right you, you've got oh, yes you got a uk team arkham right? origins right yes or, or uh or, uh, origins was done here but they also got help see origins was given to montreal mm -hmm. after they did the work on the 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 batman oh. game right uh, before everything. i forgot the name of it. right the city uh yeah. Yeah? Yeah, uh, Batman okay. Arkham City. Yeah, so I wasn't there for that at all. So that's that's why I'm. I was just there. Uh, let's say the game that's coming out now, uh, kind of the stuff that happened. That was like a hundred million dollars for that project, then it went into the toilet, and it's like because Gotham of Gotham Knights or whatever. That's Gotham Knights, yeah. 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 So there was a game before Gotham Knights that was being developed, which is basically the precursor to Gotham Knights. Uh, right. So I oh, okay, can't yeah. say anything. Yeah. But let's just say there was something, and I was part of it for two years with a lot right. of talented people. Now, the problem that we had was the usual Montreal disease, which we had a whole bunch of people who had worked on sequels and had been on a support uh, role for other companies. They don't understand that you know it's, it's a rough world and you have to make the game or, or they shut down the studio. Here right. we have like these subsidies that keep us alive artificially. So that mentality is all screwed up. I can say that, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, so their mentality is very screwed up in that sense that it's an artificial uh, marketplace. Like we are, you're, you you can make a really bad job and um, and still still make a paycheck and still have a job tomorrow because the subsidies keep you alive. Right. It's, it's still yeah. So all I'm saying is yeah. The number one thing that always kills the games that come here is that they they come in through another means as a support group for another team that is the originator of that game. So Mass Effect, there's another one. Mass Effect comes in, we're helping out for Mass Effect 2 and 3, and then they said, okay, now we're going to give you your own Mass Effect. Not really, though, because like we talked about that other group that really controls everything. Hmm. And so then you have the same scenario, and I can I can make a list that's a mile long of how many how many franchises have died here because of the inability to actually create new new things and not right. just recycle old things. And we're not trained for it here. But there's a huge, huge market here in, Mon in Montreal. And there's tons of talent and tons of people here. Yeah. Anyways, all that just to say, it, it, for an indie, it's tough. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's well, tough because you got all this around you. <laughs> That's that's really the the whole uh, uh, crux of the discussion is what differences for you specifically, Louis. But I, I'm happy to hear from Lauren and Michelle as, uh, both as well. Um, pros and cons, but I really want to hear the pros um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for for having uh, an indie studio as opposed to you know the well, AAA, AA, whatever you want to call them, non-indie. Uh, type of thing like what are the what are the pros that you're getting Here, uh, well we'll get the cons out of the way first cons okay, no money that. next right okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, now talk about not, the pros not a surprise <laughs> Lauren what, what would you say your your pros have been so far in working on Spacebook yes 
um freedom to say what you want and also oh yeah we talk uh, about ea all the time on the <laughs> basically yeah and just, Excellent. you know being in being in an environment where you're not can like you know scrutinized for things you say or stuff or just like being able to just do your job and like do it well and not have people always kind of looking over you or stuff or because you have to like you know do a certain agenda and stuff and get certain sales and stuff like that or follow the algorithm and yes it's a lot more organic than i would say because i did work in um as a waitress for quite a few years whilst at university whereas every week it was like right how many sales can we make we need to keep making sales it was a pizza right. express which is just a huge oh, pizzeria. Shit. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The one with the scandal. <laughs> oh yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, we, 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 yeah. We don't talk about that one. Yeah. <laughs> it was, oh it was, my god! It involves a very uh, potentially sweaty person. Sweaty. I say potentially. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, the cat <laughs> uh, has no, entered the chat. Uh, yeah. I, I apologize for our American <laughs> audience. Yeah, I was going to say our American <laughs> audience may not have a clue. No, but, even if no. you said Andrew, they still wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Um. Well. Um. So, would I be wrong in saying? Because uh, I've worked for corporations, and for me, they were just soul draining. I mean, you had to dress like everyone else. You had to do. I was working in the art department. I had to make my art exactly like everyone else's art. You know, production, same, exactly, blah, blah, blah. So, would you say that uh, as an indie, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say working for an indie company, indie studio, <laughs> uh, is the freedom, is that, hmm, I hate to say worth it, but I'm going to say it, uh, worth the trade off? Is that, is that, does that, is that bring you a satisfaction? I'll, I'll ask you, Lauren, uh, you know, a satisfaction that, isn't out there let's say in the corporate world yeah uh yeah definitely i think it is the trade-off and stuff because you're you're actually making something which is a product and there's there is that freedom and it's not just okay we need to make a shooter game like every other shooter game it's going to be this formula needs to be this formula need to work this way you need to have this deadline it's not like that because you actually feel like you're making a purpose in the world of indie where it's like i guess triple a would be like right let's get this recipe they start cooking it kind of thing let's do it again yeah. same recipe Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's my, my limited experience in the corporate world, we'll say. Yeah. It's cookie cutter, almost. Exactly. Yeah. I, I could definitely say the same from the industry that I work in, which is insurance uh, outside of everything. Oh, no. The old, oh. the old corporate way yep. of doing things is like soul-destroying and crushing at the best of times, so that when when it comes to anything sort of independent and doing it on our own, like this podcast, like I give it my all and I'm as interested into it as as anything else so i could imagine it is very much the same when it comes to indie development and not having sort of your uh, a boss sort of lurking over you the whole time right definitely um so i love how the quiet always just say yeah yeah no no no, no. it's a lot different it's a lot different um for you is is it worth the trade-off i'm gonna say of having creative freedom as opposed to you know like the triple a support and all that wonderful stuff status i guess oh uh from my perspective 
Uh, either one. I'm happy to take either. Oh, sorry. I thought I thought it was Luis. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's really it's really just a, a fine. It's the fun. We we have we have friends who we have asked to work on spaceboat, and we've said, mm -hmm. hey, we're we're finally making we're finally making it happen. Do you want to come work for us? And we know that they are extremely. They hate their jobs. They hate the company that they work for. We know that they that they don't want to come. But problem is, they're making. X amount of dollars, and then they also have stocks on top of that, and then they get benefits, and that you know, etc. So they they stay there as much as they hate their their job, and as much as they hate the company, and as much as they hate to to eat the 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 soupy sauce of of politics of whatever the company is, whatever flavor the company is pushing in that week, whatever it is. They don't want to stay there, but they stay there for the financial security, and that is the unfortunate reality of being in the indie space. Is there is no financial security until until you know your game's out, and then oh, wonderful, it did well. Then yeah, sure, you can use that to then uh, th then spring off another game. But I spent like I spent uh, a full six months, twenty hours a week, doing queries for over three hundred publishers and and all of these and all of these events and everything. Just because again, from the publishing space, this is what you have to do. It's a it's a hustle. It's just like anything else it's a hustle yeah and it sucks that you know you have to do this and you have to you have to give your blood to it but you know th this is unfortunately the sad reality is if you want to go indie this is what it takes you could you could crack it out of the park and you could get really lucky on your first go like stardew valley you know mm. where Ooh, right. you could get you could get really lucky but that is that is a one in a million chance it is yeah and I, as I always say, I want every game to be good and I want every game to be successful. I want people to play everything. I want people to enjoy everything. But it's the same thing in the in the book publishing world. And, and they, I hear all the time people going, "Oh, do we have do we have anything else that's like Harry Potter so I don't have to right. support support somebody else?" And I'm going, "Well, actually, here's this book. Here's this author. Here's that." And they go, "Yeah, but uh, it's not the no. Nope, you have to be willing." You have, there's a lot of discussion as well in publishing space about independent versus trad, right? Oh, yes. And, and when I tell people, I'm like, you know, 15 years ago, I knew trad publishing was going down the drain because yeah. the only the only things they were publishing were Jersey Shore, uh -huh. the Jersey Shore books that were ghostwritten by three oh, different people. Gosh. Right. You know, but that but that was number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And I went, don't yeah. don't come to me and tell me that trad is better than indie because there's crap in both sides. You yeah, know, there's, I, sh there's shit in both pools and we can all stir it around as much as we like. OK, I, I, the point is you have to find what you like, doesn't matter where it is, and you just enjoy it. And that's it. But th it's the discovery that's the very difficult part of all indie spaces, whether it be games and publishing. It's just the discovery aspect. It's really uh, hard. And do you think that discovery is a lot more difficult nowadays or a lot easier now with the with the internet? Uh, it depends because, you know, I mean, obviously we have uh, great platforms like Steam and uh, and uh, GOG and all, all, of, all the rest of them. But again, it's all just, it's all just getting, it, it, it's the hustle. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's the X amount of hours a week of putting in for every single festival and every single steam event and every single everything and I'm making sure and Luis making sure that the demo is is fresh and you know and all that stuff. it's it's it is a it is a 60 to 80 hour job a week that's what it is so it's it's you're still going to hustle and crunch and unfortunately yeah. do all until until you have that security or until you have that fan base it's not easy 
it's really difficult. That's 100%. I can attest to that. Um, yeah, it's, but what I'm, mm -hmm. I was going to say, it's quite interesting hearing you talking about indie over trad publishing because I've heard that discussion from Kylie quite a lot of times. Yeah. Oh, yes. Now, hearing it from I, another person, it's like, okay. Most, I most opened a publishing company this year, by the way. Yay, good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm looking for outsiders outside of the norm because when I was a full-time writer, um, all they wanted was uh, para paranormal romance. <laughs> I can't yeah. buy paranormal romance. I don't even know what that is. Like you know, a ghost yeah. and an angel have a baby. I don't know. But it's not my thing. But um, regardless of that, let's push that aside. Oh yeah, I know. I remember the 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 dregs of ten years ago where everybody wanted paranormal romance. Yes. Even even my agent at the time was like, oh, could you put you know your book your writing is amazing. Could you put sex in it? And I went, no. Yes. That's, that's what they said to me. I wrote, I wrote, and one of my books, that, it's still for sale. Go ahead and look it up. Um, <laughs> um, they wanted a love scene. I don't write love scenes. I don't want write sex scenes. It's just not, it's just not my thing. I'm not against them. I love them. It's just not my thing. And so I had the kind of narrative camera pan to the Yep. and they were like oh, you need to give us more you've got to give us more but... I, I talk about this a lot to my students and you know i talk about publishing cycles where i go if mermaid yeah. books are really are really popular one year they are going to ask you do you think mm -hmm. you could write a mermaid book so this way they could try to get it into their publishing cycle mm -hmm. if you That's say exactly. no good luck getting your book published oh. that year it's not yeah. going to happen yep that's exactly that is truth people you're hearing it here it's not just me saying it i have other people saying it too um but what i want to say to our audience our viewers um actually uh over on twitch.tv forward slash rapid reviews i did it um put your questions in we have a yeah. full chat and they are popping off like crazy go ahead put your questions in and we will put it to everyone here um because we'll be wrapping up here in, in about 20 minutes um, but I have a question for Louie, but remember, everyone can chime in. So let's say as an indie studio, you make a banger of a game and it comes out and it, it just takes the world by storm. Fantastic. That's the plan. That is the plan. And I am, yes, yes. And I am supporting that a hundred percent. Um, what keeps you from then turning and becoming a, let's say, AAA studio. And I mean that more, not not the technical aspect, obviously. Uh, housing prizes here in the city. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm being completely truthful, 100%. Oh gosh. That's, that's crazy to hear. I mean, they are going up globally. It's crazy. Um, but. So yeah, mm -hmm. so, yeah the, like no, no one can say they are cor corruption free. Right. Like, so at the yeah. end of the day, it, what I think is the most, uh, the best way to answer that, I think, uh, uh, is to say, look, I'm going, like, from my perspective and the people that are going to be in the company, this is a big deal. We need to be able to avoid a Dunning-Kruger scenario. For those of you yes. that don't know what that means, um, Dunning-Kruger, has it's not insulting to, to, to say that someone is incompetent. I'm going to use the term competency based on how much... Mm -hmm. Uh, actual experience they have in a specific field. Okay, so when I say that in Dunning-Kruger, the study is um, that a person that is incompetent at something doesn't know they're incompetent at it because they don't have enough competency in that field to be able to know that they don't know enough yet. And that happens on multiple levels. 
because you can be competent on one thing and be good at that, but it might bleed into something else. So for example, let's say I'm good at, uh, like for this demo, I'm, let's say I'm good at making shaders and, uh, and then making the game uh, work and all that stuff on Xbox and all this stuff. So those are talents. However, if I start thinking I'm also good at running a business, that's Dunning-Kruger, right, right, right there. Like, because I don't have necessarily the uh, capacity to know and judge if I'm good at something because I don't have enough either experience or just knowledge in that field. So to answer your question, uh, th always keeping in mind the Dunning-Kruger effect. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the company that, uh, that I'm trying to build here is going to be watchful of, of that all the way through. So... And I can't promise that it couldn't happen because you could hire people, even myself, I could change. I don't know. Maybe in the future uh, right. something happens. I get hit by a, uh, by a small car and my head doesn't, doesn't work the same way the next day and all of a sudden I'm different. I don't know. There could be so many things that could happen, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So, but right now the plan, and I, and I know that this is just maybe a little bit too hopeful, is uh, to stay, stay true to our roots. So, for example, Spaceboat, you may not know this. Um, aside from being a project that I started uh, over 30 years ago, roughly, uh, originally, yeah, it's, these are sketches and stuff. Don't, don't think that I had the whole game figured out. No, no, no. I, I, just, I created the universe about 30 years ago, a lot of sketches as a kid, and mm -hmm. I even had a, a comic book and uh, a whole bunch of things wow. made for oh, this nice. universe. Right? So I, I got into this thing thinking uh, I don't have enough uh, skills in games and development uh, to understand, or even the, this industry to really start my own thing, and I I failed horribly trying to get it started 20 years ago, right? So then I went out and got the skills that I needed. And now I'm at a stage where I'm figuring, okay, now I've been, you know, been through the circus enough. I know how the show goes and I've acquired enough skills, actual skills that allows me to actually make a game. And, and, and here I am now. Uh, so the game that I'm working on isn't just that. There's another part of it that is leveraging from everything that I've seen while working at these AAA studios and all the slimy, crappy stuff that I've seen over the years. So if you don't know this and you haven't tried the demo, the Spaceboat demo, which I encourage you to, not just because of for sales and stuff, or rather to get wish lists and all that. No, no. I mean it, I mean it legitimately like in the sense that go check it out. There's, there's an actual message in this game that you'd be surprised. And it might be one of the reasons why we're having trouble uh, with uh, certain publishers and so on. Ah, right? Uh, because we're where very. You can find that demo. Sorry. Yeah, Steam. you can go to Steam and look up Spaceboat, and you'll find it right there. Um, it's also, on, it, it's also on Itch and. Uh... Oh right, of course. Oh, Itch.io. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I will include a link, of course. We're, we're with so, all just... the degenerate games. <laughs> well, okay, I'm just going to wrap it up real quick for the, for the answer. I know it's, it was long-winded, but basically the game itself, the very core foundation of the game is basically anti-AAA uh, monetization and how it's becoming very normalized in our society. So the game is constantly showing you, like, for example, there's a vending machine that you go up to, and it's basically a loot box. Instead of putting money into the vending machine and just pressing what you want to have, you have to basically keep buying these tokens until you get the thing that you want. And it's taking something that we accept in video games that we mm -hmm. would never accept in real life, or at least not right. yet. And it puts it in a video game, which I think is very meta. So that's an example of it. So just from that perspective, as long as we stay true to our, 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 our direction here, what we're doing, I think the what you were referring to, basically, which comes down to corruption. <laughs> that's, that uh, is what I'm referring to, yes. Yeah. So, 
to not become one of these, I, it, it, it's, it's in our blood in the sense that we, we are very much against this and we formed this company with the idea that we were going to be against this kind of stuff mm-hmm. from the get-go. And uh, I will I will enjoy uh, seeing the AAA studios look at these things and yeah they can they can mock maybe the sales and stuff like that but I will point out everything that they're doing every manipulative little crappy thing that they do I like and I'll that. put it in the game. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. You, you've definitely sold me because I hate the monetization in most video games <laughs> these does. days. So yeah, he perfect does. message. He talks about yeah. that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah um, uh, I'll be wishing that on Steam after this. <laughs> Um, again, chat, put your questions in uh, before we wrap up. Uh, we did uh, have one question come in from Dap Dude, sure. which says, are the sketches going to be in the game, the 30-year-old ones? Yeah, so, e- Easter eggs, Easter eggs, you'll find them. Uh, well, we're working also on building a, a little, um, uh, like a, a book with a lot of illustrations and things, and mm-hmm. I will be throwing in a lot of stuff that comes from that uh, that pile of like it was really a gigantic folder filled with drawings, which survived the flood. So I, it's a, it's a miracle that I still have these things. Uh, so I have them scanned. They were on the cloud when I got hit by the flood. That's very lucky. Oh my God. There you go. Kylie networking opportunity for the book. Oh, yes. Have you considered a publisher yet? For the it's, only t- uh, it's only taken her 120 yeah. episodes to realize that she can actually network I never, on the show. I never network. It's <laughs> terrible. On the show. On the, I mean, I'm a networker, but I always feel so funny. Like we had, uh, have you heard of a, a magazine lock on? No. No? Oh, uh, UK, UK-based publication. That's oh, like okay. Always okay. print media, basically. Yeah, they're really good. They are actually, believe it or not, crowdfunded every month. <laughs> uh and they've reached they reach their limit every month and uh they do a full-fledged have you heard of edge magazine because i think that's yeah good. yeah for sure oh okay okay they're Definitely. like edge except even more expansive with, with artists and mm. and more in-depth interviews anyway i just gave luck on a free oh, that sounds wonderful uh, <laughs> but um yeah so, uh, chat. Oh, okay. Chat is really enjoying this. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm very glad. Well, we'll give it a few um, more minutes to obviously see if any more questions come in. But uh, see, I just want to allow mm-hmm. you to take this time to obviously talk more about, about your game if you wanted to. Or oh, if yeah, you've obviously gone into quite a lot of detail already, then talk about the process of actually creating the game or whatever you feel like we want to talk about in terms of uh, Space Boat. All right. Um, I think we can we can talk about um, uh, like right now we're in a stage where uh, we have a demo out. Uh, like I mentioned, please check it out on Steam for Spaceboat. Um, and um, the, the game should surprise you in uh, a number of levels. Uh, there, one of the things that uh, I find funny is a lot of people are like, "Why? Why do these characters look like they should be on Sesame Street?" Uh, it's because <laughs> they're they're carpet. I call we call them carpet based life forms. They're we can't use the M word because uh like oh, the m yeah. puppet yeah i can't use the m word okay uh, but i love the m m people yes so much that i that, that i made vis- virtual versions of them and if i say the the m word um the door that's behind me will open up and uh, a mouse with a knife will stab me right, right <laughs> <in the neck. laughs> that's great so um so the thing is uh we cr- the the universe is 
um, it, it's kind of what I refer to as an omniverse. No, not the NVIDIA thing. Uh, it's an omniverse oh, in the sense that <laughs> it, it allows for everything. Um, one of the things that always bothered me about things like uh, Star Trek and Star Wars is it, I never found it real. Like it's, it's a cool take on the future or, or right. science fiction. I love it. I love those series to death. Yes. Yes. But uh, in the case of like Star Trek, for example, at least the original one, um, the the idea that you know that that, that we could get to that level and oh, yeah. say goodbye to money, uh, right. say goodbye to racism and all this stuff, and right. just put it behind us and go forward. I think that's an amazing, amazing idea. I just don't think we, we're capable of doing it. Right. So, so right. my point in, in the spaceball universe, and this I came up with thirty years ago. Um, uh, the idea behind it was to create a new universe where. Uh, space travel is possible and after the miracle of space travel like we this is like this is amazing traveling faster than light getting from one planet to another think about that that's amazing what an what are we going to do with it so what what would human beings do with it and it's like i was thinking well it's not like star trek we're not actually going to use it for proper for for the proper things no what, what probably is going to happen yeah profit right profit yeah basically oh we're going to find gosh. a way we're going to so find a way to make money out of it so, so my idea for space for spaceboat in that universe is that basically you're going to have shipping lanes from one planet to another, and this this amazing potential for exploration is just going to be transporting materials from one place to another, and the the fun part isn't in that. It's going to be when we meet other life forms. Let's say if they they right. do exist. So the, the spaceboat universe, anything could happen. You can have M puppets. And you can have, <laughs> which which are carpet-based life forms. You could have, you could have Star Trek type characters. You could have, um, what like we, we have one character that's made out of a uh, jelly, like uh, oh, um, like Jello type like of thing. You, yeah, he's he's a he's a fun guy. Like we can have anything we want oh, in this God. omniverse, in the basically you know in a universe where you can have everything, and it's okay. It fits together. It all works together. So the universe is also uh, very satirical. So uh, I'm. You know, it's like uh, I, I'm hoping we can have our layers, uh, like the old Pixar movies, where you know oh, there's a layer for for kids, there's That's a right. layer for adults, yeah. and there's a layer for people who understand what's going on in the AAA uh, industry and and all the all the shenanigans with the with the you know like loot boxes is nothing. That's like that's that's just a tip of the iceberg. There's all this mm -hmm. other stuff they're doing, all this manipulative stuff uh, where they're taking advantage of people with with a uh, predisposition to gambling and everything. It's just ridiculous the ah, level we've gotten awesome. to. Yeah. And my point there for the game is really bringing that into a new context. Uh, so you see it in the game and you go, huh, eventually this is going to be the norm, I think. And that's the scary part. So let's do something about it. So it doesn't become the norm. Yeah. That's, that's great. Um, cool. And I was just um, I had a look at the Steam page, obviously, because it got posted in our chat, and I really do like the uh, the art style of it and some of the NPC characters that you have in there. They look like really unique designs, actually, and I really like yeah. I really like the aesthetic of it. So I'll be interested to see, obviously, once it comes out. Uh, I will be checking out the demo for sure. So everyone, please check out the demo. Um, yeah. But, it doesn't look like we've got any questions coming in, but Jonathan... I know we had uh, questions the whole time uh, until we did. now. <laughs> yeah, until yeah. you put them on the spot and told them to I know. Questions. I'm sorry, chat. I uh, love you. Um, Jonathan did <laughs> I say... I wasn't ignoring uh, 
Uh, so, uh, one of our listeners, uh, Jonathan, did say, I'd love to start an indie studio, but would uh, need the initial capital to ensure a game budget. So, if anyone wants to join, uh, just give me some money to invest in it. That'd be a 10 out of 10. Now, a little background. Jonathan has actually started an idea with another uh, another guy, um, and they're VR heavy. Um, so that is something that I do hope that they pursue in the future. But I mean, what do you think? Like uh, VR, it it was really big for a bit. I even have. We, oh, we can thank Zuck for ruining that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, okay. I, was, uh, I, I don't want to mention the word. You know the M word. You know because he might oh, charge oh. us for it. Yes. Oh, why? Why? What is the logic in what he did? What was it? Last year's E3, where they said they were going to start putting ads in Ugh. the quest. Like what? Where is the logic in that? Money. That's the that's yeah. the logic. Uh, I've much. seen. That's why I will I will stick with indies forever. But but it is very weird to me how like VR was so big i mean i have a psvr sitting right here mm-hmm. and it just went <laughs> just, just, yep gone. well that's what happens when somebody buys a whole platform and then destroys it yes you're right i mean obviously he didn't buy all of all, all of vr obviously you know playstation's no, but, vr but i mean right. the quest is such a big part of the market you know it's like quest psvr and was it Samsung or something like that? Uh, I think it's HTC. like yeah, the Samsung Gear, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and HTC uh, Vive, and then you've also got um, uh, Valve's headset, haven't you? Can't remember Valve. what it's called now. Valve has. Yeah, that's to say it went down like a lead balloon. To say it went down like a lead balloon clearly, you know, worked because they had Half Life Alex on it, and they haven't released anything say- else for it. I remember Okay. I think they were they were hoping that was going to be the one that would bring people into, yeah. but I think there are lots of issues. I think the controllers are an mm. issue. Mm. Uh, I think well, just in general, people people getting headaches. Uh, see that's of, yeah. yeah. Me one of them. Ten minutes. Yeah, me too. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I spent twenty minutes in Super Lucky's Tale VR, and I almost threw up. And that's a oh. third person game. Well, yeah, that was a long time ago with a very bad machine, though. That wasn't designed for for that game. That's the problem. I so, think it. I think it has to do with the accessibility, not only in terms of the the controller, but also in terms of price, because it, mm. it's just it's just not affordable. It's just not. It is not. I will agree with that. Um, I've like I never I never play my PSVR. It's sitting here, um, but I have had experience in. Uh, so, okay, Belf- I'm in Belfast for our viewers and listeners who don't know. And Game of Thrones, which was the best thing ever <laughs> until season eight, thank you very much, is filmed here, or was filmed here. So they have, like, this mega museum dedicated mm-hmm. to Game of Thrones, which I was like, oh, I got free tickets, and I went, and there's a VR experience where you end up falling off of the wall, oh, which nice. was terrifying. But... <laughs> wanted to vomit so bad i couldn't handle it and that was only 10 minutes um and then i came home but i got the psvr thinking oh maybe that was just their setup you know or whatever and i played astro boy oh Oh, i couldn't do it i couldn't do it i just think i know that i get sick and i know that pete gets sick (laughs) so i wonder and i know aaron from game grumps gets sick (laughs) <laughs> so I think that 
that might actually be more pervasive than people talk about possibly yeah, mm, yeah. and it might be you know yeah because i don't have i don't have motion sickness so right. yeah. I, uh, but i but i get simulation sick and mm -hmm. i found this out because of vr yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, hard one finding that out playing uh, a 3DS. Oh, oh yeah, my oh. 3DS mode either. That's right, Pete. Yeah, was that was uh, that was the problem. You play Mario 3D Land, where a game that requires 3D on, and you cannot even play it. It was nope. horrible. Couldn't do it either. I, that's why I never, I never bothered buying one because I played it on my uh, one of my friends, and I was like, nah, mm -hmm. I'm good. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I, I literally just turned the 3D off and just play the games as is because. After yeah. a certain time, they just stopped developing the 3D. I was going to say, anyway. they made the yeah. 2D version. Yeah. Um, we've got a, a chat, if you want to read it, Pete. Uh, it says, I have a great face tracking that lets uh, me look in any direction in Flight Simulator, and I can even see my keyboard and all my controls. Cost, oh my cost me $10 instead of a VR and an, un an ungraded graphics card. What, what do I need <laughs> VR for? Uh, that's a good question. It sounds like you don't really need VR. Uh, but I guess that was more of a hypothetical, like, why do I need yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Upgraded. There we go. Upgraded graphics card. Uh, lucky in Oh, yeah. Think... Ungraded graphics card. Yeah. I don't think uh, we've had our breakthrough game, though, yet for VR. Like, right. the one that we can say it's diff. Like, remember when we went from 2D to 3D? How oh, yeah, a lot yeah, of them yeah. were platformers, like yeah. side scrolling platformers, but in 3D a little bit? Uh, and then it kind of you, yeah. know, you have Mario finally that breaks that right. Uh, like, yeah, I was going to say you got the very yeah. two different extremes on that one. You have got Mario yeah. sixty four, which admittedly the game has aged quite horribly, but we yeah. have to look at it. It's still it broke through. We we have to look at it from the lens of the time in which it was created, of course. Um, and then you yeah. have Sonic Adventure, which uh, it's, and, it's not good at any point in time. Zero. <laughs> Mortal Kombat Sub-Zero, which is uh, the first we, Look, we, we, we don't talk about mythology Sub-Zero. Oh. That is uh, something terrible. that even Midway wanted to forget. It was awful. It was awful. But, but I think 3D, like, I remember when I was going from 2D games to 3D games, like, the, the big thing was Quake as well. Oh, it was yeah. A, right? You have your breakthrough games that just, like, every it's like a lightning rod. Everybody goes to it, right? And it's, yes. It's it, it was crazy how we just kind of forgot about certain style of games. They just died. Yeah. Like, tell me about point and click games. Where where are they these days? I love it. Like a massive right? resurgence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, yeah. We're we're actually one of them. Uh, we're hopefully oh, <laughs> our game is basically a point and click game. I believe you. Really I imagine love the old point and click games from days gone. Did, I was gonna say, didn't LucasArts put out something recently that was like a a mod? Oh, well, yeah, well, the announcement of a new Monkey Island, yeah. 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 I've it's never seen it published by them. It's being published by Devolver. Is I it know, really? yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good studio. I mean, if it can't be LucasArts. Um, but it seems like there was something else very recently, I'd say within two years, uh, that was a point-and-click adventure, and it was like a homage, but... Oh, I, I think I know what you're talking about. We reviewed it. Remember. Yeah, we reviewed it at Rapid Reviews. I can't remember, but it was There's very... still a love for this thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It really stirred up a lot of those. What I'm saying is, like, for VR, we still haven't had our breakthrough game. Like, no, the one that like, makes it so that you can't go back. You know, it's right. like, yeah. if you, let's say Quake was a thing that you loved. Like, look, look at the, we wouldn't have Fortnite if we didn't have Quake. Let's, Absolutely. let's just put that, I agree right? With that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it, it, like, once we, had that, once we have that breakthrough, you can't go back to the previous technology to make any of the right. games like it. So I mean, there's VR, always VR chat. 
<laughs> you can't go back once you've gone back. That's a different thing, though. That's a different kind of going back. <laughs> but but yeah, but I find VR just hasn't had its breakthrough, and, and also right. there's just too high uh, an entry uh, entry point because you you have to give up so true. much. So, mm -hmm. for example, I'm one of those people who. Even when I was working for EA and all those other companies, uh, I was—I've been a big fan of VR from day one, and I was pushing right. for for ideas. And I always got—they—they uh, they, they just sat on me. They just said, "Nope, you go back, uh, go go get these bugs fixed," uh, and that's how it was for me. But uh, where I'm getting at is that um, there's like we haven't there's too much of a, a like to get into it you have to buy the, the 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 equipment you have to accept that you're no longer using whatever you're using every day your daily driver whatever it is your phone your computer whatever you have to tell them no now you're going to be using this other thing and and in my case even though i accepted all of that the one that i couldn't get past and this is personal to me like i'm physically disabled i have one hand and uh and my legs are prosthetic but the point is and keep in mind, I beat uh, Elden Ring, so no excuses. Nice. It's not an accessibility issue. Yeah. <laughs> <That's awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, <laughs> I think I think my age is more of a disability at this point. But anyways, uh, the the thing that I'm saying is, uh, like, uh, I couldn't get into VR no matter how much I tried, and even I developed VR things on my own time because of the controller. Believe it or not, that was the that was the line that I couldn't cross okay. because I was like. I can't use these controllers. I can't put this thing in the left hand because I don't have a left hand. And so then I was like, all right, maybe I can do this with the controller. And no, no, it just, it was not pleasant. And then I was like, and the game designer did not make it so I can use a normal controller. Fantastic. Because they have this obsession that VR requires a VR floaty thing in the air. And that's, for, for me, that was the breaking line. That was That was the breaking point. So I didn't... I kind of gave up on VR after that point. And I think a lot of people have that line somewhere and mm -hmm. they just stop and then they, it's kind of like 3D TV. Like, you know, those oh, TVs, gosh, yeah, yeah. right? I have 3D TV. I have one. I actually saw it in the flesh the other week and I was so surprised. <laughs> wow, you found one. and everything. Yeah. Oh, gosh. No, but the thing is, though, think about the investment that it costs. Like, yeah. you're, you're basically telling someone, all right, we know you just went from CRT to, to yep. these type of TVs. Yep. Now we're, tell we're asking you one more time, throw all that out and buy a whole new thing, mm -hmm. and then it doesn't go anywhere. Good yeah. luck getting that person to buy something else in that same direction. <laughs> so the same thing with VR. Yeah. There's the people that have tried it. The, the bridges have been burned. Mm. You could also say the same thing about new new media formats as well, with the fact that you had HD DVD and uh, yeah, and Blu-ray yeah, exactly. as well. <laughs> Look how yeah. badly HD DVD went down the pan. I think that lasted oh six months, gosh. didn't it? So Xbox or Microsoft clearly had banked on that, and they wanted people mm. to obviously invest in that. And then when it came time to the Xbox One coming out, no, it did not go well, and that was obviously for their own doing because that that box was a terrible idea but in in that scenario though the the blue blu-ray did survive yes it so did. it's kind of yeah. like vhs and beta same thing one right. of them did survive and it moved forward mm -hmm. in this case there is no vr equivalent of any kind that's moving no. forward right because it's they've they've basically because of the the way developers for it and companies have been using it they've burned their bridges with everybody pretty much there's only a small group that will, yeah. will accept 
VR at this point. I, I agree with you. The barrier to entry is far too high for people to get yeah. burned quite easily and then just turn their back on it, you know. So uh, it's one of the also one of the reasons why I haven't picked up VI is that that entry price point as well as the motion oh, sickness yeah. is yeah. two massive reasons not to get into VR for me. You know, I'm not willing to spend like four hundred pounds on a VR machine that I can play for ten minutes a day. If that... I even I even got the cheap one. I got the Samsung Gear, which was only a hundred bucks, just to oh, wow. just to see if I would like it. And all the educational programs were great; they were really wonderful. Oh, but then my phone suddenly became too old. I was at yeah. the end. Of, oh, I was yeah. at, at the end of that generation, and they and they went, "Oh, well, your phone's too old. You're going to have to get a new phone if you want to do any of the future content." Actually, and I couldn't. Mine straight up uninstalled it. Oh, Samsung's yeah. latest update. Yeah, 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 it said uh, uninstall. Uh, please uninstall it. We don't. We no longer support Gear. Oh my! Straight goodness. up, it said it on my phone. Oh my! And that's a, that's yeah, going to so, be a huge barrier of entry is the expected and, life. And I didn't buy it. another one just because of that. I didn't bother anymore. There was no point. I no, I that. Uh, but speaking of accessibility, our accessibility expert has just joined the chat. Hello, Brent. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, Brent, if you catch this before we wrap up, we've got about fifteen minutes, and then we're going to wrap up. Mm. Um, Brent, what do you think of VR? Because you have vision limited limited vision visual impairment yeah thank you visual impairment i never thought of that really in my mind and this is very wrong i see that now but in my mind vr was supposed to open doors uh, in the accessibility realm but i i guess they really mm. failed it's like the, the early days of television it's like as uh, imagine yeah. the potential for education <laughs> the potential yes. everybody gets educated yeah, yeah. Oh, I swear, I hope Brent would weigh in, but he's not. Yeah, he's, I yeah. think he's, he, he might. Yeah, he's got to catch up oh. anyway. So, um, oh yeah. I so you brought up a really interesting point, Louis, about obviously the barrier to entry with VR, especially with that controller. What do you feel like yeah. they could do to sort of change that from an accessibility point? I think uh, game developers for VR need to accept that you have to piecemeal it, like bring people little by little. Don't okay. ask everybody, like to change completely everything. And the, one of the easiest things to to stop doing is don't change the controllers. Let people use, like let's say, you, you like even like today, you give me, like I, I was playing Destiny um, in, in comp, I was playing competitive. Right? Oh, nice. I was getting, yeah, my not forgotten and all that stuff. So mm -hmm. it's tough. And with a person with only one hand, it's extra, extra tough. Oh my I, God. I found a way around, Yeah. right? Um, but the, well, where I'm, where I'm going with this, um, uh, and I just lost it. <laughs> Sorry. I just had memories of, of comp and all the, all the, all the stress and sweat. You know, no, I had, I had to go through all the sweaty, uh, what they call the sweaties. Don't worry. That happens all the time when it comes to destiny with Kylie. You start talking about oh, yeah. destiny and she'll just go on a tangent. So. Oh, sorry. So here, here's where I was going. I'm so sorry. So here's where I was going with this. Uh, muscle memory. Oh, so, yes. Okay. So Excellent. at the time yes. when I was playing, yeah, when I was playing comp, anything that would uh, uh, affect my perf my performance in competitive was, was uh, scrutinized. So if I said, all right, I'm going to get a new controller. No, 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 no. It's going to take forever to get used to the exact dead space and everything in the, on the controller. Oh, right. So I can tell you that from experience as a fighting game player with trying to learn an arcade stick. He's exactly. into all that fighting game crap. 
So think about oh, it yeah, this way. Thanks for that crap. <laughs> uh, but, but but consider this: like you have years and years and years of practice playing games with controllers that you're now. Uh, it oh, doesn't yeah. matter if there's a better controller out there. You're not going to use it simply because you have the muscle memory mm-hmm. built in to to play the game the way you want. That's why the same. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So. So VR for me is already the, the, there's a big mistake already at VR because you're saying, yeah, there's no mouse and keyboard, there's no controllers. It's a whole new thing. It floats in the air. Your arms are going to get tired. Don't worry. You'll get used to it too much. Start, start small. Just start with the glasses and the fact that you have to, uh, you know, get that latency down Uh if not people barf. And that's the key, right? You got to get that latency down. So get a controller. In their hands that they know and it's going to improve things quite a bit but unfortunately i, I think i that i'm not a vr game developer so um but i wish game developers that are making vr games would accept that it's not just people like me with disabilities that are saying you shouldn't be changing the controls get the get controls that people are used to and they're going to be way more comfortable in your game. If you make them uncomfortable already with the glasses, right. now you're going to give them something in their hands that they're not used to using. It's too much. You got to do it little by little. Jonathan, that is some good advice for you. I hope you're catching this. <laughs> uh, Brent does uh, come in and says, I can't I use say- VR. It's not designed for me. Yeah. See, that... that um... See, one thing that Rapper Reviews is a very strong believer in, which is gaming is for everybody. That's our kind of, you know, modus operandi. Um, and to to hear that something like VR is kind of cut off, you know, from other people. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I'm not a fan of it either. No. But, um, okay, we've got about 10 more minutes. Um, Pete, do you want to wrap up the show and then do about a five minutes just kind of yeah. hanging out chilling yeah, and chat? For sure, uh, for sure oh, yeah. yeah. So I uh, just wanted to obviously thank you, say fa- a big thanks to our to our guests. So um, I'm going to start. I will start with Michelle. So do you want to plug uh, any social media, anything that you do, you know, your book, uh, you anything? Can, you can find me mostly on Twitter, uh, at Mrs. Donison, or just or just Twitter my name. I think I'm the only person who has it. Uh, and uh, you can find all of my books at all online retailers if you like fantasy, if you like nonfiction. I've got something for everybody. Perfect. Uh, I will ask if you could put these in the chat just so that I can obviously add them to oh, the show. Oh, God. Notes You're going to well. make me find 25 titles. And- no, I didn't mean <laughs> like that. I just meant the Twitter. <laughs> Twitter would be fine because it will have links to all that, probably. Um, uh, Lauren? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch, uh, Law Witchy. I'm going to put it in the chat for you to make it really easy. There's my Twitter. Ta-da. Lovely. Thank you. Uh, and Uh For me, it's uh, real simple. Just come to our, uh, uh, to our Discord if you really want to have a chat with me uh, or if you'd like just to have a conversation. Um, love to get to know your perspective. Uh, like a- anybody out there that plays our game, let me know what you think. Uh, come to our Discord. Uh, on on Twitter, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm there too, but... Uh, Please come to our Discord. It's uh, so much nicer. It's easier to, to have yeah. a real conversation. Sorry, I was just laughing at something that Michelle's put in our chat. <laughs> a gif. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Domino, Domino Star of Space Boat is getting uh, very antsy for her dinner. She's giving me the, she's giving me the eyeballs, so I'm going to have to get going. Yeah, of course. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Obviously, we'll put all the links into the show notes, and please, obviously, check out Space Boat because, yeah, it looks 
absolutely incredible and we want to obviously thank you very much for sparing a, a couple of hours of your time this evening to come and talk to us about all things gaming and game development so thank you very much Quite very, very eye-opening, quite entertaining. Um, chat yes. has loved it, and which now, I always love. Every time I hear about someone talking about Canadian uh, grants, I will correct them on this one because I've learned something new. So thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, but Pete, why don't you tell us where they can find you? Uh, you can we find were- me on uh, Twitter at PeteBeckett1, which is spelled B-E-C-K-E-T-T, and then number one. You can also hear me on another podcast, Shock Horror I Know, um, where we cover Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's called The Never Watchers, so you can also yeah. follow that on Twitter. Uh, Kylie, what about yourself? Uh, well, technically I'm only found right now uh, on Twitter at Kylie Tegreet, K-I-L-E-Y-T-E-H-G-R-E-E-T. Um, and but there will be more in the future. I just have to get Monday over with. Monday is my UK driving test. Oh, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> I scared. love how lo- I could hear Lauren cringing as she said that. I could hear it. Good luck. Good luck. It's so different from the US. It is so different. Um, I, I assume the US is probably very close to the Canadian driving test, which is you just drive and then you pass. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like that here. No, it's not like that here. I'm sure Lauren can probably tell you a bit more about that than I can. You've questions about yes, people and stuff, and it's so... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, roundabout. The old hazard perception was always the funnest one. Yeah. I, thank goodness. I just, I'm having trouble with the reverse bay parking, which is not something you do in America. <laughs> uh, isn't that what you anyway. call parallel parking? No, no, no. This oh, okay. is backing into a parking space, okay. but see... In America, our parking spaces are slanted, and so it's easier oh. to get into. And here, they're like not slanted; they're perfectly square. Anyway, that's boring. So <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up. Thank you so much to our watchers and listeners for joining us. This has been so informative. Um, one of our best yet, I will definitely say. Mm. Um, and we will catch you next week. So we will see you and talk to you next week bye 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 thanks for listening please check us out on soundcloud apple podcasts and spotify or wherever you get your podcasts please follow us on social media at rapid reviews uk or the podcast specific twitter at rr radio pod please follow us on twitch at rapid reviews the music is made by johnny atma please check out gametal on youtube and for everything else please visit www.rapidreviewsuk for all the latest reviews 